0: I would actually have to say it was partying. Word. What'd you do? Your taxes, you fucking loser?
1: <laughs> the fucking general disrespect. Um, no. You all went out. I read and then went to bed.
0: What'd you read? Oh yeah, the Boston Massacre. This fucking guy.
2: Boston this, Boston that.
1: He loves the B Town. <laughs> I mean, if only the Bronx were famous for something. All right, folks. On that note, welcome back to the Second Mouse Podcast. Uh, what a way to start. Um... This is a lifestyle podcast about the musings of the day, general commentary, and anything that we feel that you need to know. As you all know, we are an up-and-coming podcast, and we're really trying to build our listener base. And there's a few ways that you can help us out by following our Instagram page, specifically at Second Mouse Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube under the stats, Second Mouse Podcast, and we will post show highlights, interesting videos, and some outtakes if we're able to get around to it. Um, We also have a bonus episode. That's coming out It should be out by the time you listen to this About the AFC and NFC championships Go ahead and give it a listen We talk a lot about the Bengals-Chiefs game A little bit about the Rams-49ers game and But quite frankly We're all kind of in agreement That the AFC is where the party is at So go ahead and give that a listen, give it a subscribe, give it five stars, tell all your friends, tell your girlfriends, tell your boyfriends, tell all your dude friends, tell everybody about it and have them give it a listen. And then lastly, we talk a lot about different things on this show, but we want to hear from all of you and what is on your mind. So send us a direct message on any of these platforms and share articles, stories, or anything that you may find interesting. And we'll have that posted in the show notes below, but ultimately folks... Let us know what kind of content you want us to talk about. Let us know what kind of stories and current events that we can provide to all of you. That being said, my name is Tom. I am one of your hosts, and I will open the floor to the other confirmed and verified hosts of the show. Gentlemen Sound Off.: Hello,
0: friends.
2: Oh, my boy. name is Anthony Gatto.: That was <laughs> fucking great. I'll stay in the dark on that one. I'm Q.
1: Ooh, very nice. All right, guys. So kicking the show off. um, Some news that has come up today and we are recording this on Tuesday, February 1st. A couple hours ago, it was made known to the world that Brian Flores has um, filed a lawsuit against the NFL and all 32 teams in the NFL citing racial discrimination in hiring practices, a number of other accusations levied towards the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, the management of the Giants as well, and his former coach or his former boss, Bill Belichick. I don't want to spend too much time on this, guys, just because this is a developing story and there's not a ton of information out there right now. But given this information came out at, like, what, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's, you know, 8 right now, where do you all – land
2: on this uh he's he's suing the NFL but only suing three specific teams Miami Dolphins Denver Broncos and my beloved New York Giants you know this is obviously in its early stages so I'm gonna reserve my judgment on this in totality until uh we get some advancement and as far as you know some some proceedings. I'm, I'm assuming this is going to go to court. It may be what's necessary because I think for a long time we've seen. Um, I think the Rooney Rule is really good in in its conception, but I don't. I think the execution is poor. Um, this could end up being the best thing that has ever happened to the NFL as far as making sure that we get more minorities involved. As far as you know, uh, whether it be positions of you know in the front office or whether it be on the coaching staff. The Giants one, you know, again. I, it may, I may sound like a Homer here, but it's it, it doesn't seem to be as extreme um, as what's going on with the Dolphins. Neither with the Broncos as well. Uh, there was a couple things I saw that were kind of shocking. It looks as though that Stephen Ross, and again, this is all just alleged. It's you know it's not confirmed or anything like that. Speculation. Uh, but, yeah, but it's it's saying that uh, at one point there's an ESPN article that he alleged. Dolphins owner Stephen Ross attempted to incentivize him to tank, which has always been kind of like a hot-button issue. We've seen the idea of, like, suck for luck and tank for Tua. Apparently, he was incentivizing losses um, up to $100,000 for every loss that season he was going to pay for as and apparently, because Flores kept winning, it actually caused a lot of strife and a lot of anger uh, with with between them. I mean, I, it's hard to put wrap your mind around that concept of like the coach is winning, and I'm angry for it. So yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy few months because it's not going away anytime soon. Gato, what are your thoughts? Yeah, with
0: Stephen Ross down in Miami is crazy, uh, absolutely crazy. But it kind of feels like it's on track with some of the narratives that came out with the Antonio Brown story too. Um, If you guys saw the uh, real sports segment and how it seems like the Bucks were also engaging in this kind of discrediting personnel, namely Antonio Brown. I mean, this feels like they're doing the same thing to Brian Flores and it really is kind of conceivable with what was going on there. Yeah. Um, So for that, I, I, I'm kind of, I want to see what happens there. I, you know, the other thing that came out with this was uh, the whole Bill Boomerchick text. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, what a total flub by Belichick, which means that there's a lot of loose lips running around the Giants
2: organization. Well, well again, I mean, we don't know, you know, ultimately... Uh... That's the, that's gonna, 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 gonna be, be that. Well, the, the, you know, again, I'm a Giants fan, but there has to be accountability in this scenario because um, it's gonna be it's gonna come down to who told. I was telling you guys before who told Bill Belichick uh, about this because if if you're not if you don't know, Bill Belichick apparently mistake mistakenly sent a congratulation text to Brian Flores thinking it was Brian Dable, um, and. Basically, before Forez had even interviewed for the job for the Giants, he was basically congratulating on Dable of getting the job, which would indicate that the Giants essentially made up their mind and went through, a, you know, a kangaroo court of of interviews where basically not even a- allowing them to even have an opportunity at the job. Now, if it's John Marrow or if it's somebody in the Giants organization that told Bill Belichick this and then he related to the, to Flores, it's going to be a huge problem. If it's just, you know, the guy who cleans the toilets afterward, you know, after, Joe judge. Uh, yeah. Joe judge. Um, that's going to be a different case, but uh, could be, could be really bad for the giants organization. And and again, it's for me, it's, it's not surprising if ultimately the giants had a candidate in mind, but this, this is exactly the problem. And I, you know, Tom, I'd like to hear your thoughts on potentially maybe, I don't know if you have any thoughts about the Rooney rule and like how we, we can maybe make it better.
1: Yeah, I I recall a couple weeks ago we were talking about how Brian Flores was fired from the Dolphins and this level of everybody saying that he was difficult to work with, right? Mm -hmm. Like he was somebody that was um, hard on his assistant coaches and was just a generally disagreeable individual. Whatever kind of the language that was used around the rationale for Flores getting fired is now very, very different in the sense that this is a guy that refused to lose for a higher draft pick who apparently was on a boat with Stephen Ross and Stephen Ross had invited a rumored to be Deshaun Watson to try to like finagle a trade to get him to come to Miami. And Brian Flores was like, I don't want to meet with him. And that's tampering. And he got off the boat and left. So it's very interesting that all of this information comes out now about um, Brian Flores about him being hard to work with, but in reality, he was in a really weird situation where ownership wanted to derail the team and ultimately undermine him to get a higher draft pick. Now, he might be a hard guy to work with, granted, but it's hard to continue that narrative now knowing what we know or knowing what was at least alleged. So well, I think that's interesting thing to keep in this, mind. It's, it's a new piece this is of the puzzle for sure. sure. Yeah, this is what's
2: confusing, though, to me, though, there, there, there are some confusing elements to this, though, because the hard to the hard to work with thing is I, I feel like, yeah, it seems like they're. it was clearly them trying to put um, a label on him. But he did burn through three offensive coordinators in three years, so there, there, there clearly was who hired these offensive coordinators. Did he not have enough say or input in who was being hired? The Deshaun Watson thing, though, is puzzling to me because Deshaun Watson and Flores are apparently very close. You can look up; you can look it up. There are articles that were basically saying they were a package deal weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That anywhere Flores went, he was hoping that that team would acquire Watson. Um, and Miami was the only team that was really linked to him last year. Obviously, Watson is going through some civil lawsuit. It seems as though that now that Flores is gone from Miami, Miami has lost all interest in Watson um, and has basically said that two is their quarterback going forward. So. That's the only thing that I that kind of gives me pause is that the the story that's being alleged is that uh, Stephen Ross was forcing forcing Watson on Flores, but it looks as though that Flores has been Watson's biggest champion over the last few months. So um, it's the one thing I'm not sure of.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can be a champion and close with somebody. It doesn't necessarily mean you want them on your team, right? And I think more so, Flores was concerned about the tampering rule and the implications that could have on the Dolphins as a team at large.
2: And that makes but, sense.
1: But going back to your original question, um, honestly, none of this surprises me at all um, in terms of like a hiring practices in the NFL and who's picked and who's not, who's in, who's out. Like, this ultimately is like the. The league of nepotism, the nepotism football league, if we may call it that. Um, I think we all know that this has been happening for some time now, but it's just ultimately hard to prove in cases like this, um, in terms of selection. Um, ultimately, teams are allowed to hire whoever they want, but they do have to hire a they have to hire a minority coach and have it to be a legitimate interview before they can make an official hire. All that being said. We are still in a weird place in the NFL where there, is, there are two coaches of color currently as head coaches, and that's Ron Rivera, Mike Tomlin, and that's it. And they had a piece on ESPN earlier where they were saying there always seems to be more coaches of color that are fired in the NFL than coaches who are white, and that bears truth because ultimately you have two coaches of color in the NFL versus the 30 who are white. And you have guys that are recycled year in and year out. Like you have guys that like North Turner, how many opportunities did he have to be a very bad coach? Um, there are,
2: you this know, just –
1: Mike McCarthy's another one. Dan Quinn, why is he getting any credit? Because he made the worst defense in the NFL in NFL history semi-good, and now he deserves a head coaching job? Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Who the fuck is that guy who the Chicago Bears hired, by the way?
2: Uh, Matt Eberfluss. He was the uh, in- defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts for the last few years.
1: But talk about a fucking nobody, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he was an anticipated hire. Uh, but he he is well respected, so I, I don't want to completely shit on Matt Uh But yeah, no. To to your point though, uh, two big coaches that were fired this year were obviously forres who was coming off of two straight years of winning record, and then obviously uh, David Cully, who had literally gotten hired the year before in uh, Houston. So uh, he was he, a dead got-
1: man walking, though.
2: He was, yeah. There, I, and you know what, though? I'm ultimately uh, okay with uh, with that because he gets to go to an organization that's probably going to uh, appreciate him, and he gets to ultimately walk away with a big guaranteed fat contract that he got. So I think, I think like probably like a four-year deal. So he's walking away with all that money, and he's going to ultimately go to an organization that will appreciate him.
1: Yeah. The one – I will say I think this Flores story has legs because you okay. don't – file a lawsuit against these teams unless you have proof because ultimately what this could mean is brian flores is not only never going to coach in the nfl again he may well never coach professionally ever again like college semi-pro the AF. European Football League, all that shit. Like, this could very much be a Colin Kaepernick, Kurt Flood moment where he is basically banned unofficially from the NFL or any kind of structured football programs because of this. And I think he has to weigh that. And he knows, like, I'm willing to do that because there is merit to this story. So... That being said, I want to ask you guys: What do you think the end game is? This not just necessarily for Brian Flores, but for like the league itself. Like, where, if this is truthful, where does this go? Are we talking systemic change? Are we talking like?
2: I think that's the hope, um, but I, you know, I, I've 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 seen this happen too many times before, and the NFL has ultimately come out unscathed. The ratings are at an all time high. Um, I did appreciate, though, that the law firm that was representing Flores said uh, the coach is hoping to, quote, shine a light on racial injustices that take place in the NFL. Um, He did hit some really good points of um, increasing, quote, the objectivity of hiring terminating GMs, head coaches, and coordinators that are of color, increasing the number of black coordinators, incentivizing hiring retention of black GMs, head coaches, and coordinators, that's an extremely important point because the one thing that they've done with the Rooney rule that I think is kind of poor is that it becomes almost like I just need to do this to get it out of the way to where I think they should incentivize. And they actually have created a great rule uh, that if you have a coordinator, so for example, the Giants um, have a defensive coordinator named Patrick Grant. In this scenario, he's currently interviewing for the Minnesota Vikings job if he was to get that job, the Giants would receive two third-round picks. So they would get extra draft capital if they ultimately have a uh, person of color on their staff who gets a higher job, which basically means that you're showcasing them and you're basically providing them a good opportunity. So I think incentivization has always been the way that you kind of – because – and again, it's not just handing a job to somebody who doesn't deserve it. It's basically kind of giving teams an edge to – expand their pool a little bit and also i think not only for people of color i think also for women as well yeah um, has to be included
1: i will um, say and Gato, i'll go to you real quick i hope coach graham's a job i hope it's not with the fucking vikings though yeah no. <laughs> you want to talk about walking into a shit storm that's it i'm sorry i just needed to say that Gato, go ahead it's still not enough in a lot of
0: ways too mm-hmm you know, you have still all your head coaches and everything. You're going to give them every incentive or everything you can possibly to begin with. So, you know, it's kind of like Brian Flores is doing this is because he was not given those opportunities by his, his owner and GM. He was not, he, in fact, they went out of their way to make his life fucking hell when he was down there. It's still a boys club at the end of the fucking day. And we talk about the nepotism. Let's be honest. Uh, Brian DeBole gets gets the the job because Showin is the GM, right? And they're they're trying to put together a cast of people that already click.
1: I, I wanted to add to that, too, Gatto. Like, I think it's important to also recognize this is also a league of fathers trying to make up for lost time with their kids. <laughs> yeah. So, like the Mike Shanahan's of the world bring in Kyle Shanahan or you know the Belichick child. Steve Belichick or the human Gruden. thumb and Jay Gruden's kid. Yeah. Deuce Gruden. Deuce Gruden of all the fucking names you pick Deuce. So that being said, like, it's also a league of like fathers hiring their kids who are ultimately going to be like North Turner's son, Scott Turner is the offensive coordinator for the Washington football team. I don't think there is anything that shows that this dude is actually worth having that job, but that's besides the point.
2: Can we go yeah, back to Deuce
1: Gruden, by the way? Yeah, let's go back to Baby D. Can we just be honest? Like Or Baby D like <laughs> John had
0: John had no say in that name, and his, he probably missed the birth of Deuce. Oh no, and no, so,
2: that's totally that's totally John's. Um, he definitely came up with I that
1: think name. he just called him
2: Deuce. Totally. He's like, I don't know, man. Let's call him Deuce.
1: <laughs> I, I
0: want to will... say that, that that's his wife getting back at him for not being there for the birth. One yeah, could make You have the to argument introduce is... your child as Deuce for the rest of your life.
1: One can make the <laughs> argument, though, that when that child came out of the womb, it was immediately like a draft day selection. Like John Gruden was on the phone. They put the receiver up to the baby's ears like, hey, baby, we're really excited for you to be a part of the team. You ready to work hard?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the baby I... came out and he goes, I'll tell you what, man.
1: I'm really proud of you. You're
2: working hard. You're a gym rat. I can see it. He he was really supposed to be John
0: Gruden Jr., and they were going to call him Deuce all the time as the second, but then they fucked
1: up on the birth certificate. I'm wondering, though, if John Gruden just shamed his child, Deuce, and made him sit through that, like, fired coaches camp thing where John Gruden would just, like, have quarterbacks that are coming out in the NFL draft just watch, like, the worst film that they have, and he just shames them. Like, he's some fucking... Like, quarterback whisperer, when in reality, he had Brian Greasy and Jeff Garcia and Phil Sims' his kid. Like, hey, man, you were not great at this either, motherfucker. Like, let's pump the brakes. You forgot do, about Super Bowl legend Brad Johnson.
2: Do...
0: Okay, What's so here's... A, a, yeah, that's true. Here, here's the thing. Are we just, like, do we love legacies in general? I mean, in sports, it seems like it's such a huge thing, because players, too, have... Their some of their sons have gone on to
2: before. Before I answer that, Tom, do you think um, when John Gruden sat Deuce Gruden down for like his Gruden's court, like parent camp, do you think like he like showed him tape of him taking the trash out, and he's like, "Come on, man, you got you got to take the trash there quicker, man. You're not you 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 taking too long. You got to take a better angle."
1: I would not be shocked if that was the case, but also I would assume that John Gruden was probably drinking heavily during this, and he totally. showed like.
2: Just writing emails
1: as he was going to. What was the the Miracle of Life movie and just broke the whole thing down to Deuce when he was probably like 11 years old. (laughs) 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 So little Deuce has no idea what's going on on the TV. Meanwhile, dad is all like, 17 Miller lights deep and he's yelling at the projector cause he can't get the slide deck to work anymore. <laughs>
2: you know, he only drinks paps, man. Come on. He's a, a schlitz.
1: A he looks like guy. a schlitz guy.
2: He might be a schlitz guy
1: schlitz from like the plastic ring too. <laughs> he just brings the plastic <laughs> ring over to the couch.
2: Uh, but to, to answer your, your point, God, I, th- I think, I think so because, uh, recently in the last draft you saw, uh, Patrick Sertan's son uh, was was drafted in the top ten. I think, I think the prevalence of that it actually hits college first because he you're you're guaranteed to get a bigger recruiting uh, stand if you are the son of, of a. You know, of, of an NFL player because like they love bloodlines. They love pedigree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they assume that if like you're like if you are the son of a great player, you have to be. You're at least going to have a slight edge. If your mm-hmm. father's an accountant, I don't think they really care as much. Um, in the NFL, I think college that's more prevalent. But yeah, it's, with coaching. I mean, you mentioned um, uh, North Turner's son, uh, Clint uh, Clint Kubiak, the, fo- the son of Gary Kubiak. Uh, oh, yeah, I think is the <laughs> offensive coordinator. Yeah, he was the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. Um, you're automatically going to get a shot as far as a coaching is concerned if you are the son of a great coach. So, so fucking stupid. Tournament. Honestly, it's the
1: dumbest fucking thing. I would agree, and ultimately, like. These folks are getting away into the door, but very often than not, they are white assistant coaches or they're, you know, they're quality control people and they're able to make their way in because their, their Faja is able to pick and choose who gets to get in and who doesn't. But, and then they also ultimately, a lot of them get to fail up into bigger and better jobs solely because like, oh, this person's dad, like won a Super Bowl 10 years ago and we might be able to catch the same kind of magic with them too. And I mean, whatever, like if it's, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the NFL is their way of selecting people. And this bears true in the whole situation that's going on now. It's really a hit or miss thing of like, who's flashy, who's a big name at the moment, rather than who's actually the most talented because throughout all of this and all the coaching hirings that are, have already happened, Eric, the enemy is still without like a head coaching just- job.
2: I was just gonna say Eric Bianime is a great example of this.
1: So I I'm at a loss in general. Like and Q, you're completely right. The NFL is just gonna keep, you know, chugging along. They're not gonna be dinged by this at all. No one's nope. this is not gonna impact anything that they do because ultimately the NFL is the ultimate drug that everybody just wants to be a part of
2: ratings are up 10% from last year 15% from the year before the NFC uh, an ASC championship game so yeah it's hard to imagine this train ever I mean look if the ra- if the racism doesn't stop you if the domestic what we know now the, the concussion stuff that we know um, if that's not stopping you, it's like, it's it, i I look at the NFL like the same way I look at cigarettes. We all know it's dangerous, we all know it's bad for us, and
1: but you know,
2: we all know of the evils of you know tobacco companies and, and their marketing practices, but yet they're still chugging along in society. So
1: Mm-hmm. Got I'm gonna give you the last word. Oh,
2: you know what? I don't even
0: need the last word. Um I would like to see them get away from this fucking nepotism. That's how you make boring seasons, in my opinion. That's how yep. everything stays stale because it's father passing on to son. Football has proven that when you think outside the box, that's when you get the best results. If they perpetuate just going on with this nepotism and what is a system of systemic racism through the NFL like this, nothing, nothing's going to get better. It's just going to be more of the fucking same, and no one wants more of the fucking same.
2: Agreed. Two mice. Yeah, speaking of the NFL, and I know this is on a much uh, different tone, uh, Tom Brady has retired after 22 seasons in the NFL, seven fucking championships. I want to pose a question before we get into all the heartfelt stuff. Do you think that there's any guys in the NFL that right now that could pass Brady?
1: No. Do you want more than
2: that? Yeah. You know what? I really appreciate one-word answers. It's really great content. Uh no. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, the, Moving on.
1: Look, the NFL is not <laughs> the NFL is not designed for guys like that. The NFL is not designed for guys to, for to play twenty two years, right? And I think you look at all of the the generations of quarterback that Tom Brady has been able to survive, the Drew Bledsoe era, the Tony Romo era. I mean, the Eli so Manning gonna, era. So I'll
2: kick back on that though. Isn't the NFL a copycat league by nature, and do you think that there's a possibility that a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who's 25, 26, could follow the TB12 method and potentially play another 20 years from now and maybe win eight championships? I'm
0: going to say no is the simple answer, but the reason behind that is that there that the style of play of Patrick Mahomes varies greatly from the Tom Brady style of play. And part of the reason Brady has lasted so long was because it was all about pocket protection and keeping him in that pocket for years and years and years. These, these new guys, they're, they're more dynamic. They're running around more. They're going to get hurt more. And, and those things increase the risk. Quarterbacks moving forward will probably have better running stats, rushing stats, than Tom Brady ever will have. But I don't see them being able to have 22 years in a league. It just – it doesn't seem feasible for anyone to run around that much.
2: No, I that's a, That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, so, and also
1: too, like Andy Reid is – Andy Reid is closer to the end of his coaching career than Bill Belichick was when he started with the Patriots too. Like they are very different ages as well. So, so I don't do – you think that Patrick Mahomes
2: is just a byproduct of Andy Reid or –
1: I think they complement each other very very well. I think initially probably Tom Brady was a byproduct of Bill Belichick, but Brady also was able to develop and grow to be on, go beyond that. And I think that 2007 season when it was when it was Randy Moss, Wes Welker, that whole crew or the the 16 and 0 crew, the ended up being the 18 and 1 crew, I think That's where Brady really started to grow into his own kind of player. And he moved away from that system quarterback kind of persona that he had, where he was now the one that could go down the field, lead you to a win, will games um, into victories. And ultimately the odds of somebody playing 22 years is very, very low And that person winning two Super Bowls, let alone eight, is going to be also incredibly hard, too. Because if you think about it, like, think of all the great quarterbacks that only have one or two Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Talk about a guy who (laughs) is, like, on everybody's list as, like, a top three quarterback, but he's probably done the least in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, He gets to the playoffs, but he's only played in one Super Bowl, and he's only won one of them.
2: That's the difference, that, right? Yeah, that's the difference because we've seen like guys like Peyton Manning, and you know I think now Mahomes is, is kind of trending in that direction of like guy who gets it done in the regular season, but you know we need to kind of see it on a more consistent basis in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, it's a good point. I, I got you like, had
1: a thought. I could yeah. see it on your face. It
0: was it was funny because we were just talking about it, and then um, you know Ben Roethlisberger declared retirement as well, and Tom Brady's response to him was he, if only he had he had put down the ice pack and had picked up the TB12.
1: If he'd only set <laughs> down the Iron City beer and picked up the wheatgrass that I made him. The avocado ice cream? Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, When you're in the mood for a sweet treat, reach for the avocado ice cream. How do you guys
1: <laughs> feel about Tom Brady not mentioning the Patriots at all in his retirement thing? Because the entire... Region of New England is about to jump into the sea.
2: He did. I will amend that later on. Uh, the Patriots put out a Twitter post, uh, and he he retweeted it and said, "Thank you, Patriots Nation." Some BS like that. It's kind of shocking. Um, I'm. I i do not know if there's. A, I, I can't really tell if there's any ugliness, but I mean, I, I would guess there has to be. Well, the gist of it was he
0: thanked his family. Right. He thanked. Yeah, but he the had city like four pages P- about he th- like. <laughs>
2: He thanked the city of St. Petersburg and he didn't mention anything about anything about uh, the New England Patriot.
1: <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with the way that that relationship ended in New England though, because they were trying to find a way to replace Tom Brady for a while before he actually left. And I think that relationship between Belichick and Brady kind of soured towards the end. And sometimes that happens, but I I know that a lot of people were upset that he didn't mention the place where he had won six other Super Bowls, and I find that to be a, you don't make a mistake like that, but at the same time, I think you also have to acknowledge the team that drafted you and gave you a shot.
2: Is anyone under, is anyone kind of underwhelmed by his announcement?
1: Considering how it happened, it came out on Sunday, it was leaked on Sunday, and then it also comes out the same day that Brian Flores sues the league for, like, institutionalized racism it's yeah crazy he could have picked maybe monday to do it
2: well it's also because like if if you don't know like if you don't like pay attention tom brady has an awesome social media team because like every we every you know after every game he has like he he he's sitting there just looking like a you know crazy person sitting there going like great team win guys And then it's, like, looped in with highlights and music and all that. And he does that every week. And, like, his way of retiring is, like, a four-page notepad, basically just kind of writing, like, you know, thank you, everybody. I I just – I don't know. I kind of expected more flair and, like, you know, some kind of, like, hard-hitting video in his retirement. Now, I don't know
0: where Adam Shetner got his scoop from, Right. A little theory of mine is that his social media team might have known ahead of time and leaked it to Adam Shetner. Um, But I don't think Tom Brady initially wanted to release this information for another four days from now. Because I was reading some stuff about competitive clauses in his contract where if he had gotten to the 4th of February before retiring – uh, he was due from the Bucks another $15 million
1: or something. Ooh. Pocket change to him. That's called yeah. just showing up to work and having the little green light active on your Gmail account. That's right. <laughs> I, I wonder if, um, you know, originally he was planning
0: that, but because the story got leaked, everything just happened as it did. Mm-hmm. And
2: maybe, maybe the Bucks leaked it. They didn't want yeah,
0: they didn't want to pay him. Hey, it, more and more of these narratives about these teams, you know, fucking with their their players are coming out right now. Or they got a history out. of sketchy shit. Yeah, especially <laughs> the Bucks.
2: Let's be honest, man. Like I mean, they, they did employ John Gurdon I mean, at one point, so couche. Yep. Do you think? Do you guys think he'll come back at any point? No, Brady. He's not gonna pull. He's not gonna pull Favre at any point.
1: Because I you think the to- last thing that he's going to want to do is come back and not be good. Yeah,
2: but he's still. But you know what though? I mean, he is a rare case in which he's forty four years old, older than any quarterback I think I've ever seen, and he's still good. Like sure. It, maybe let's say he takes a year off, right? And like some team is in desperate need for a quarterback, and they're like they're so close to making the Super Bowl. Maybe like the the Raiders and. He, you don't think he might be tempted to come back? He's
0: really like, I'm going to go spend some time with my family.
2: Hot yeah. take, Tom he's, Brady will be back. He's I'm calling it right now. He, I'm not sure what he has to prove, though. He has nothing to he's, prove. He hasn't had anything to prove in, like, ten years. And he still showed up like a psychopath every, every year, taking brutal hits, getting surgeries... When he never had to. And he's, by the way, he married a woman who was probably richer than him. So he's never needed the money. He's just a, he's an insane competitor. I don't know. He went out, he went out losing to, you know, he went out losing in like the divisional round of the playoffs. I just, I think he's going to come back. I personally think this is where he decides to dominate in a different
0: place, in a different sector.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, seriously.
0: If you hear Tom Brady starts like a an inv- investment firm, get on board. It's probably going to do good. I mean, yeah, they, they might have to do a little inflating or deflating of, of
2: assets, but TV 12 investments.
1: <laughs> I just I honestly think like I think Brady could also look at the track record of guys who are on their way out and in their last year. And the, the track record is not good. You look at the way that Brett Favre ended his career. Ben Roethlisberger ended his career. Roethlisberger was a shell of the player that he used to be. Um, and he's actually younger than Tom Brady. Peyton Manning as well. Like they did not mm-hmm. win that Super Bowl because of Peyton Manning. Um, and you, there's, there's, there's plenty of examples of guys who tried to stretch it to one more year. And that one more year ended up being a complete disaster for them. Like Tony I... Robo should have retired, but he came back and then he got hurt. Like, mm-hmm.
2: I do agree, but there, but that, like, that is a scenario in which you can already tell. Like, we knew Drew Brees was on his way out three That's years That's another ago. one, too. But, like, Brady is still, like, he was number one in the NFL this year as far as, like, passing yards and touchdowns and all that. Like, he's still, he is not on his way out. He's still, at this point, an elite quarterback.
1: Have you, but guys, if you're not there mentally anymore, you're done. Have you guys, that ever is true. Felt have you guys ever felt, though, that Brady's
0: competitiveness has always been geared towards all the other quarterbacks even more than it has been towards, you know, the, the teams that he's playing or or football itself? Like, I think yes. that he's always been he's always needed to compete because he was he was such a late draft pick psychologically for him. He's always had to feel like he's needed to prove himself to these other top draft picks at quarterback and the fact that he gets to hold this one over that he hung up his his cleats at a high point still in his career is another end one for brady that's
1: part of why
0: he's choosing now because he is he's
1: he's yeah i mean i think even when he even when he was drafted he used all the guys that were drafted before him as motivation to do well i think he was very much an afterthought in the like Peyton Manning conversation and he was always considered a system guy for a lot of his career and he's beaten all of them consistently and also he's beaten the up and coming star of the league in Patrick Mahomes like I'm not sure. He's also beaten Russell Wilson, too, in a Super Bowl. Like, I'm not sure there is much more for him to prove. Like, he's beaten the legends, and he's also beaten the young guns and the established QBs. Like, at a certain point, man, like, it's okay to just say, like, it's over. And I think he's doing that now, whether it was by design or by disaster where it got leaked. He was considering it, and then somebody just said, like, we have to do this now. Or his wife was like, "Yo, I'm fucking rich. Like, let's just not do this anymore. Let's just chill."
2: I'd argue, though, that really it was Daryl Bevel and Pete Carroll that lost that Super Bowl, and not Brady that
1: woman. That's 100% sure, and a hundred percent true. And Daryl Bevel is it. trying to break up fights in a Philly, in a Philadelphia Golden Corral right now, and Pete Carroll's <laughs> heard, wondering if he's going to work next year,
2: or they ran out of steak.
1: Hey, if you're going to call it all you can eat steak. You better put your money where your mouth is. He is the goat, and
0: uh, I'm wishing him a very happy retirement. Congratulations, man!
1: Yeah, have an extra almond on us. I want to. Congr- <laughs> 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 I just see him looking in the pantry, and it's like, you know, I'm retired now. He <laughs> up like a one salted peanut, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one circus peanut. <laughs>
2: He, he finds a piece of like ninety nine percent cacao, and he's like, "Oh, I shouldn't, <laughs> but I'm gonna."
1: I'm good. I'm retired no, no. now. No one's gonna know.
2: He splurges for the ninety eight percent. Yeah, exactly. Like honey, I think I think I'm gonna have the ninety eight percent today. And she's like, "You madman?
0: You have <laughs> CPE." Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think I'm
2: gonna put I'm thinking I'm gonna put cacao chips on my avocado ice cream today.
1: <laughs> he he asks one of his kids like can you uh run to the gas station and get me um a snack size bag of Frito Lay's ninety-nine percent fat-free sour cream and onion? And his kid just oh, backs God. away like, Mom, call the police <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Gatto, did he go on that trip to Italy
2: and fucking go into the <laughs> woods fucking hunting for truffles? <laughs> he went on. Gatto's idea last night was to, like, yeah, we should go to Italy and, like, go into the woods with a bunch of fucking backwards Italian guys and, like, hunt for truffles. And then I'm like, yeah, we're all gonna die if that happens. Like, we're not coming back from that vacation.
1: The Alabama of Italy <laughs> if you're doing that. You ever see Wrong Turn, Gatto? Because that's what's gonna happen. It's the song from deliverance except it's played on a mandolin <laughs> it's played on a it's played on a uh, like an
2: accordion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how did we even get into the discussion about truffles
2: i, uh, well, not today. We were,
1: I mean not today i mean yesterday
2: yeah no could because we were talking about um oh, oh, french fries, french fries, french fries truffle, yeah. oil.
1: truffle fries are the most overrated french fry
2: you're a fucking psycho. It's,
1: my objection to it is that because it's so common now, everyone uses cheap truffle oil. Yeah. And, well, yeah. And, that, and that's gross. what we were
2: talking about. That's, that's what we were talking about last night, that like the, the cheap truffle oil is disgusting, and like real truffle is where it's at. That's why yeah. I was like, let's go to Italy and get truffles. And
1: Are you allowed to bring truffles into the country and not be taxed? I, don't on? ask me these questions. I don't have answers for that.
2: <laughs> what do I look like, a fucking truffle expert?
1: That's why we need to have our truffle attorney... Paul z involved in that. I'll, yeah, I'll ask he, the legal department.
2: He specialized in bird law and truffle law.
1: First up, first rule law. of bird law is they're not real. Second rule, <laughs> there is none.
2: CIA drones.
1: Case closed, and he just closes <laughs> the book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, all right, guys, what are we going to next? Bro Jogan.
0: Now that Brady's retired, do you think uh, he'll try DMT? yes
2: i think uh i think brady's first uh step on post-retirement will be to visit the joe rogan podcast and do dmt well we're going to transition from uh guys who take testosterone for sports glory and to guys who take testosterone to look fucking cool joe rogan
1: <laughs> i don't a know I- nerd <laughs> <laughs> all righty guys so we're going to take a break from the nfl um we will have a show next week that's dedicated more to the super bowl and kind of the brian flores fallout as well But I want to move to some of the current events. But before then, I just want to give a quick reminder to give us a follow and a like on Instagram and all our social media platforms. You can find us at the Second Mouse Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. Again, we are on all the streaming platforms that you can find. And particularly on Spotify, which is actually in the news as of now because... There are a number of artists, particularly Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, who have asked or who have taken down their music from Spotify because Joe Rogan is a very well known, many of our listeners will know, Joe Rogan is a very well known comedian, MMA analyst, and podcaster. And he has caused quite a bit of controversy on his show because the best way I can describe is playing fast and loose with information as it relates to COVID, vaccines, and just general health and wellness. And I wanted to kick this off with, guys, what do you know about this? And what are your thoughts? Q, let's start with you because you look ready to roll.
2: Well, I think uh, first you should put quotes around comedian. Um, That
0: was funny we should give you a stand special on Netflix now. Yeah.
2: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, my my uh, my Netflix special on Cancelable would be uh here.
1: <laughs> just like your Netflix subscription. You can't Yeah, exactly. List. Um <laughs>
2: I I'm so fucking tired of hearing about Joe Rogan and I'm starting to think he's just doing this for the publicity at this point. Um Look, I think we should follow the same rules that we follow with everybody else when it comes to these, like you know, whether we're talking about people who are getting fired and, and the idea of, behind "quote unquote" cancel culture. Spotify has the right, ultimately, to broadcast who they want, and that's fine if they want. But you have to. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to see them all of a sudden starting to, you know make excuses for it. Just stand by your guy. You gave him a hundred million dollars. You knew the controversy that comes with him. Look, I, I think this is kind of a waste of time because if you, even if Spotify is to remove Rogan off of the platform, somebody else will just house his content. He's going to say what he's going to say. I think giving him the publicity is actually making it worse because you're ultimately just hardening his position that people are trying to cancel him quote unquote and making his case stronger to his base. You're not going to convince his base by trying to remove him off the platform. I think, I think it's stupid to, to keep doing this. Keep doing this every few months with him when he says something else that's kind of inflammatory. I don't like it. I don't support it. I don't agree with anything he has to say on most things. But I, I just find it to be ridiculous that we keep doing this song and dance every few months.
0: Yeah, did you guys catch any of his response to the whole thing?
1: I watched about, I think I watched all of it, actually. And I think the thing that frustrates me the most with him is that he does seem like a genuine individual who, like, recognizes when he does fuck up. But he does fuck up a lot. And he does fuck up because he chooses not to pay attention to stuff.
0: I want to say he pretends, he plays a part. Like, I think he's a bit more of an actor than anyone really gives him credit for that was a well rehearsed response i felt like he was using certain tactics throughout his response to make arguments that are just just enough palatable to make excuses for the things that he's been doing for fucking years like he's been slipping down this rabbit hole he says so the very beginning of his response was that he believes some people have a distorted perception Of what he does he's essentially trying to gaslight everybody that's like sitting there with an opinion about what the fuck he does on his show right and then he'll try to make an excuse later on about it too which is kind of annoying you know he he acts like it's just these two one-off events right he talks about it being these two specific episodes with these two guests, uh, uh, McCully and Malone, was were, were those the guys' names? I forget their
2: full. Yeah, Ro- Robert Malone, who create who claims who invented the uh, murder vaccine.
0: Yeah. Now, I never got too deep into him, but he, you know, this is another Rogan esque little play on things. You know, he he gives you this credential of his that he's he's got nine patents in mRNA tech. Um. Cool. Like fucking you can buy patents from people. Doesn't mean you actually did any of the research. I don't really know. I'm not saying that maybe he really did do the research. Who the fuck cares? It's not really the point. The point that I'm trying to make with that. And then the other one is the cardiologist um, is the most published in his field. Again, awesome. Cool. He goes on saying highly credentialed, highly intelligent, highly successful. That is the bro Bible definition of legitimate. Right. That's just him trying to make this case that you're you're under recognizing these people in a very bro way.
2: The problem with with what I have is that people can ten, tend to think that Joe Rogan is this like open minded guy who's more than willing to sit there and listen to a person who ultimately can change his mind. Right. But it's it's actually not true. There is a recent episode with Josh Zeps, uh, who's an Australian media personality in which Rogan claimed that the, that children who have received the vaccine have an increased risk of myocarditis and Zepps immediately jumps on and goes, no, that's actually not true. It's, it's people who don't get the vaccine and end up getting COVID and Rogan just, again, continually disagrees with him. He has Jamie. Hey, can you look that up, Jamie? Jamie looks it up, and of (laughs) course, it's shown that Joe Rogan's absolutely incorrect, and that the higher risk of myocarditis is in children who have gotten COVID instead of the ones that have gotten the vaccine. And then immediately questions, "Oh well, I don't know this source. I don't know if this is." So he proved he proved in those what two minutes that he has an opinion, and that he's refusing to ultimately acknowledge that. Something he because of probably something he read on the internet, maybe an in anti-vax site, and he's now presented with a debunking of his of his thought process, and he refuses to believe it. So, he is not the open-minded, um, free thinker that people think he is. He is clearly opinionated and has biases, just like everybody else.
1: I think my frustration with Rogan is that he can have some really good conversations with some folks, but he they- acts like. Nobody's listening to his podcast, right? He acts like this is still like him on YouTube where nobody's listening. So he doesn't have to manage any of the things that he says. But ultimately, I think it's fair to say anybody who has not gotten a vaccine at this point is more than likely not going to get one. Correct. And anybody who's been listening to that show. They don't need him to convince him that COVID is a fallacy. They don't need him to convince you that COVID is real. The thing that pisses me off the most is a guy with such a huge platform, and he doesn't fucking read beyond the headlines and the subtext. He doesn't read the articles. And he makes a lot of assumptions, and then he gets checked on them. But then when you were saying, he disagrees with them. But also all the individuals he brings onto that show, ranging from... Alex Jones to Stefan Malinu, like e, Milo like just those folks. And God, I know you Peterson. got something to say, but yeah, I mean.
2: Yeah. Jordan Peterson with a tuxedo. Yes.
1: I don't mind Jordan Peterson so much in the sense as long as he stays away from politics – it's a, it's a form of philosophy, and it's worth a debate. But when he starts to tread into, like, political stuff where he's basically a white guy shouting that minorities don't matter and they should ignore all of the hundreds of years of oppression, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. But I'll stop. Gatto, you go ahead.
0: I'm just following up on what you're saying. Uh, it's, a, it's been a culminating thing, right? It's not like he he tried to address it in just these two episodes, but I'm like, you've been doing this for fucking
1: years. You know, you've been bringing There's a these thousand characters. Episodes. There's yeah. 1,600 episodes. Like, you haven't gotten better at this.
0: Yeah. And 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 that's the thing is, like, he goes on later in his response saying, like, um, you know, he does all the uh, scheduling and it's all fly by night. And I'm like, dude, you have probably one of the biggest fucking podcasts out there. You, you should have a huge team working for you, doing all this stuff, getting you ready. It shouldn't be on you pay some motherfuckers out. You got the money. You got a $100 million contract. That should not be an issue.
1: Well, so let's game this out. Like, if you did that at work and you just fucked up a bunch of times, and you're like, oh yeah, I didn't read the entire email and I I did this wrong, and you've worked at that job for 17 years, at a certain point, like, you would be reprimanded for it and people would be like, Gatto, you have to get better at this, or Q, you have to get better at this.
0: Yeah, but instead... You know, he turns around and he says, well, you know, my agenda is um, essentially to bring people on my show that have an opinion that is different from the mainstream media. Some of the stuff that was considered misinformation um, or unpopular by the mainstream media now in a couple months is actually true. And I'm like, yeah, and all that other fucking misinformation was never true. It was never right. And you're just forgetting about that because you're only going to highlight the fucking 2% of the things that turn out to, you know, have somewhat of a base, you know? And it acts, he acts like he's infallible in that sense, that the things that are being said aren't dangerous and reckless. Like, yes, misinformation can really be dangerous. People have, like, have you ever heard of, like, a- like people use Ajax as a cure for cancer? Like they will ingest Ajax but like, no, don't Shit'll do kill that. You. Don't do that. That information is out there.
1: I will also say too, Gatto, like, I think the important thing to remember is that he does not understand that the scientific method is a continuously evolving thing, right? Like, yes, the science is different from what it was two years ago, related, related to this pandemic and this virus, but that's how science works. It, it's a slow-moving, ever-evolving thing. Um,
0: Rogan's response: All right, thanks, nerd.
1: Yeah, like I—that <laughs> was—he did that once, you know, talking
0: about fucking uh, Bill Gates. He called him a nerd, and he got called out on his own show by Lex Friedman for, for it.
1: Yeah, I, I it's just <laughs> again, like, I—I I agree with Q in the sense, like, he should not be like removed from the platform. He should not. He should not be quote-unquote canceled or removed because ultimately that will create more controversy and eventually somebody will pick him up because there's money to be made there. But I I think that he does need to recognize that he has an incredibly large platform even before he went to Spotify. And you should have learned a long time ago that if you're going to have, like, Alex Jones on there for four and a half hours – you might want to bring some follow-up people like the show after that can like talk through a lot of that stuff. He also doesn't push back on any of the the things that are said either. Um, Like he let Alex Jones talk and talk and talk and talk. And after a while I had to turn that fucking episode off because it was funny to listen to but I know that there's somebody out there who's like getting a weird like dose of confirmation bias whenever Alex Jones opened his mouth.
2: Yeah, I, and like I, I hate that this has become the discourse in this country because there are so many other things that we could be focusing on that are so much more important. Tom, you, I think you articulated it before, and I think it was perfectly said that like if you haven't gotten it, if you haven't gotten the vaccine at this point, you're not getting it. It's just it, you're you're not going to get it willingly.
1: We're not going to convince people anymore.
2: And I don't think I don't think Rogan has changed the minds of his uh, listeners. I think those listeners go in knowing that Joe Rogan is going to back their beliefs. And ah, you know what? I'm telling you right now, if Joe Rogan was to turn his personality tomorrow and say, you know what? I'm actually pro-vaccine. I think everyone should get the vaccine. You would see a mass exodus of a lot of his followers completely abandoning him. They don't listen to him and for guidance. They are essentially, they want their own version of confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing you're seeing with Trump right now. Trump Mm -hmm. has been actively pushing the uh the vaccines and the boosters and all that and you're seeing a negative backlash from his uh constituency uh going after him because of this so i I think people have to realize that like he yes joe rogan is pushing covid uh vaccine uh, misinformation but guess what they go there for that they're not they're not gonna change their mind if Rogan does. They're not gonna change their mind if Trump does. They have a they have an opinion and that's why the market is the way it is.
1: Yeah. Any closing thoughts on Joe Rogan, guys? I know that we've kind of yeah, we've beaten he's, he's... this one to death and we've hit you over the head with a bottle of ivermectin and um... <laughs> I will say it <laughs> is, is sad.
2: I will say it is sad because I used to enjoy a lot of Joe Rogan's episodes because he used to have a lot of interesting people on. He used to have historians on. He used to have uh, you know people who would talk about like anything from fucking dinosaurs to black holes. And it feels like everything is now either conservative politics, cancel culture. Um, ivermectin or fucking as we're talking about now covid misinformation and it's kind of sad to see because he used to have one of the most interesting because and and you say tom that he doesn't push back on his interviewers interview uh, the people he's interviewing i agree with that but a lot of times i think that's led to really great uh uh, great guests like you know providing a lot of great information and he's he's very willing to listen uh, which is is not the case for everybody. So it's uh, I'm more sad that like a once kind of very cool niche show has turned into just complete shit.
1: Yeah, I would agree too. Like I I really enjoyed listening to that show, and I listened to it for a number of years, and it was good because it was a long form podcast. Like. You know, you can listen to it and just kind of get lost in it and the conversations. And whether it's because he's on Spotify now or he's got a larger platform, it seems like all of the conversations have a very much like cultural hit to them rather than just like, let's expand our minds. Like when he was talking to like astronomers and journalists who was held hostage in um, by terrorists for a couple of years, like that was really engaging and really interesting Now it's just folks that are there who are like fringy social media personalities or they're MMA fighters. And I know MMA is big for some people. However, I don't think any of these people are fucking terribly interesting at a certain point, all of the conversations become the same thing where Joe Rogan gets like, goes to boner village about how much fun like kicking a bag is. And that's not great content after a while. (laughs) yeah i I
2: think you i think we always kind of accepted those episodes because like you know he would have the really thoughtful kind of deep episodes and then he would have his yeah i mean ufc was always kind of his bread and butter so it makes sense that he would use his show to kind of have some cross-pollination with the the company that's paid him for a long time but yeah it's he he's had some unbelievable guests on and uh you know, I mean, again, he, the I, I almost feels like it's coordinated at this point. Like, he's just trying to get as much media coverage as possible. I don't know why, because it's it's not good media coverage, but I guess There's it's good money for the brand.
0: Things he talks about, the products that go along with the things he talks about, come with a certain type of demographic. Um, it really
1: is bro culture, though.
0: It is. It's 100%.
1: 100%. Yeah. And I know that sometimes we live on the fringes of bro culture, and we can act like fucking idiots, but... I think it's also, like, a level of, this is the way that you need to act. Like, you need to you need to be, like, the gym dude all the time. And you need to also hold, like, counter-opinions to other people. You need to be a Sigma bro. He he really
0: believes that there's, like,
1: you know, vegans are trying to take him down. <laughs> they hate him so much. <laughs> Which Gosh, they probably Like, do the narcissism that it. comes with it as well. Like, yeah. dude, no one gives a shit. Like... <laughs> And sometimes I wonder, too, like, is cancel culture self-inflicted by the people who are hoping to be canceled? Like, because they've seen how it can be profited. Like, Joe I Rogan is being canceled and talks about it on a two-and-a-half-hour podcast that's streamed by, like, four million people.
0: I think it's why fatalism. He wants to get canceled, right? It's why
2: cancel culture yeah. is complete shit. It, it really is. It, it, it doesn't mean anything. No one's actually ever been really canceled. You see, it, you see it together. I mean, like Dave Chappelle said to himself, if this is being canceled, I love being canceled because it, ultimately all it led to was a reassurance that Netflix will continue working with him and keep giving him $25 million per special. So it's like it doesn't change anything for them. All it does is just become, they become edgier and they become more controversial, which means more people want to listen to them.
0: It's an angle to play. Yep. yep.
2: It's a tactic. Mm-hmm. I feel like Joe Rogan should be the next big bad in the Marvel universe. But he's, the big bad just never leaves the gym. He's, he he <laughs> his whole goal is to like spread Ivermectin across the entire globe.
1: He's or the Razau like, ghoul, except it's just pouring Ivermectin into the sewer system.
2: But of it's Gotham. A, it's a, yeah, it's a new Ivermectin <laughs> metal. He's it's a new scarecrow. <laughs> It's not. It's not Scare a dewormer bro. though. Scare bro. <laughs> Scare bro.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's not. It's not. It's not the. Uh, it's not a horse dewormer though. It's actually going to turn you into a horse. Like that's the goal. He's, the most sigma
1: ag- animal of all time is a horse. So he's like everyone's got to be a horse because we're majestic and we're fucking huge, bro. And everyone's fit and you know they only eat clean and like. So all that being said, um, speaking of supervillains. Um, something that we've been kicking around for a little while is just the conversation around like Marvel and superhero movies, and I think we're kind of getting to the high water mark when we get to superhero films, um, particularly with kind of the I don't know was Eternals a box office film or was it a series? I don't watch these shows, so it was
2: it was a it was a theater
1: uh, movie. It was okay. a box office bust. Yeah. Big so time. is Is Eternals the canary in the coal mine for the Marvel and DC universes trying to get a little too specific beyond like the mainstream viewer? I have my opinions, but I want to hear what you all have to say.
2: I, I like the Marvel movies, um, for what they are. They are, they're not cinema. Like it, they're not films. They're, they're, they're movies. They're like, they're blockbusters, um, I think people are just upset that blockbusters have become more prevalent. But I, you know, like everyone complains about like you know that's like the highest grossing movies and you know the box office are these Marvel movies. But I'm not gonna go spend twenty dollars on a movie ticket and then thirty dollars on a small popcorn to go see an art film. You know, I'll wait until it comes on on demand and I'll rent it there. I think you're seeing that they may have gotten too niche with internals because. It clearly was very like specific. I didn't. I, I, I'm I'm somewhat of a fan, but I didn't knew I didn't even know what they were. But you know, I, look, everyone was like, "Oh, is this the decline of Marvel? Is this where it all of a sudden goes goes astray?" And then Spider Man came out, and it like is breaking records. So it's not going anywhere. It's only going to get bigger. It's only going to get more more nuance. But I think they've learned that like when you get a little bit too in the weeds with something like the Internals, that's where people are going to start tuning out.
0: Yeah, I mean they're in phase four of the Marvel universe, as they call it, and um, I don't know this. You know they were they were at such a high point at Endgame. It's like they needed to decelerate a little bit, and I think they're they're ramping up now, and we're gonna we're gonna start hitting new strides um, in the next two years with the title releases that that are coming out i think this year we get another guardians of the galaxy um not sure maybe an ant-man is coming out this year too
2: blade is coming out
0: (laughs) blade uh morbius right the the vampire there yep um so there's a lot of stuff happening i i really like the ten rings did you guys see the ten rings nope shang shi yeah it was good man yeah it was it was a a really good They're not. One, they,
2: they can be. They can be. I think you have to take them for what they are. They're they're fun, like popcorn movies. Yeah. I think. I think. I think the Eternals. I think the the biggest problem with it was was that it basically it kind of undercut the big storylines of the other ones. Basically saying like it's all relevant in the end because like we're the Eternals and like there was a galaxy issue at that point. So it's like all of your petty squabbles and that were really meaningless. So I think it kind of may have pissed some people off. But like just overall about Marvel and like DC and all that, like these these properties are not going anywhere, and they're only going to get either bigger. And you you we will probably see a reboot of these movies in our and lifetime. And there's
1: my problem with them all.
2: Reboot culture.
1: Yeah, I I, I think. And I'm going to be the one who pushes back on all this. I just. Please. I'm just tired of these fucking movies, man. And I think that I I agree they are entertainment for. Visually. they're like a great thing to They're watch. visually entertaining. The yeah. stories are light enough where you can follow along. I think chuckles. my annoyance with them is that they have pretty much suffocated all the other studios to be forced to make these movies. If you look at the entirety of the highest grossing films in the 2010s, I think it's like 49 out of 50 of them are either reboots, sequels, or superhero movies. And Anti-matic. And well, that's before Titanic. Yeah, oh, but I think perfect Titanic perfect. was the uh was the it
0: was, it was the number one grossing to like Avatar, and then after that, it was Avengers End Game. I think was but, that, yeah, but, but that's but that's the for case like for. Like, the but but
2: isn't that the isn't that the case for all movies though that people want to see blockbusters like Marvel movies and like superhero movies in total are just iterations of that. I think if a James Cameron. Like Avatar is going to make a lot of money. and That's not a like. People are just not willing to go to the theater anymore to spend. Like, like I said, fifty, sixty dollars total on you know some like art art house movie. You'll you'll wait I, until it hits on demand and then you'll rent it or you will watch it on one of the streaming platforms. If, I if don't you only go to the theater that, now though. for the for the for the experience.
1: I don't disagree with that. But when like seven of the 20 movies that come out every season and 10 of them are from like major motion picture houses. But again, seven of them are comic book movies like there needs to be a little bit more fucking variety in what's coming out. And I also blame movie production companies as well, because they have they have also been less creative because they are going with what sells. But I feel like when we were younger when we were like in high school and in college there was more variety in 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 movies that were coming out there were fewer franchises and there were fewer reboots like the one big franchise I remember that really had a ton of weight actually there are a couple of them but they're all different it was Harry Potter Twilight, Pirates of the Caribbean they're all different films they're all different franchises but When you ultimately have like a series of 20 films that they all have the same fucking characters in them, like I didn't grow up with comic books. I didn't grow up with the superhero stuff. Like I thought a couple of the first ones were good, they were interesting. Now we're on like the third or fourth fucking iteration of Superman. Like, why are we doing this over and over and over again? And who knows? Like, I might be the lone dissenting opinion on this, but I'm just not finding this interesting it's content creation ultimately because they know that people are going to buy this shit regardless of whether it's good or not and that's how they kind of got away with the eternals because it wasn't good but people bought apple or the disney streaming platforms just to see it
0: i I think your grievance isn't so necessarily the fact that they're rebooting as much as that they're just recycling and they're not creatively coming up with new stuff.
1: Yeah, it's all the same fucking content at the end of the day, like big baddies. It's a big old hero's journey over and over and over again. Except the thing is, is that the main characters never actually have to go through a struggle, like getting beaten up a little bit and then a long ass monologue at the end. And then you find the strength to beat them like we've seen that before. In
2: all um, the other movies, so I, so I think your problem is with the, and I agree with you that there is a a common um a common move now by these studios to make everything an extended universe. Like they'll make a Alvin and the Chipmunks movie and they're like we got to make this an extended universe with Garfield like you know every like they're going to meet up in a movie together
0: it's like vertical integration in movies
2: right right and i i agree with that i think that i think X i think Files it's kind of cops right yes yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> i think i think you're seeing why did we that. have that i don't know, I don't know. Well, because You know what? You know what? The, episode, you know what, you know the strangest, the, <laughs> the strangest one I heard was that they were supposed. To, you know, I don't know if you've seen the Twenty One Jump Street movies. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I actually think are quite enjoyable. Those are um, funny as shit. Baywatch. They are no Twenty One Jump Street.
0: No, no. Were they going to cross it over
2: with Baywatch? No, no. Oh, oh. oh it's interesting if you never heard about this. All right. So your guess is Baywatch, Tom. What is your guess? Die Hard. It's not gonna. five O. I'm gonna give you one more guess and and think. Outside of the box, guys. Okay, I got it. Really outside of the
1: box. I got it. Alf. Okay,
2: a little too outside the box.
1: (laughs) Um, Magnum PI.
2: Men in Black. What? Now, I don't think it's gonna happen because, like, that was like a bunch of years ago, and I don't think anything ever came out of it. And I think they probably looked in the mirror and went, "Like, yeah, that's really dumb." But like, yeah, when you start messing around with that stuff, and I look. I'll bring up Space Jam because I loved Space Jam as a child, as every child of the '90s did. But then you, you know, this recent Space Jam that came out—it was just like everything we can throw together of uh, the same properties, kind of put together, and it's just—it it becomes overload after a while.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it's actually funny because you bring up Men in Black and they did a reboot of that. And to be honest, you know, it—I don't
2: know if it did I that. I forgot great. About that. I forgot about that. It yeah, it was
0: kind well. of forgettable. Um. I don't know if it was because it was bad or what, but they just gave up on it. You know, you haven't heard anything since. And um, maybe they're working on something. I don't know. But sometimes I actually want them to to persevere with this and make it into something. Like, build on it, develop, change it up, like, switch it up. You can still recycle things, but be creative when you do it. It it doesn't have to be... um, just the exact same formula you can you can still be creative using a winning
1: formula but that's the thing though is that movies are now geared everything has to be like a record breaker and i think that's the problem that production studios have now is that they need to top the highest grossing charts all the time. And if you watch, there's a show on Netflix called uh, Movies or How Movies Were Made or something to that effect. Um, it talks about blockbuster films that were not actually supposed to be blockbusters Home Alone, Die Hard, Back to the Future. There's a number of other ones that were actually in there that they had pretty slim budgets and they were rewriting the scripts all the time and they were doing things by the seat of their pants. And those are classic films now. Like you cannot go through a holiday season without seeing uh, home alone. You cannot go through a year of cable television without seeing back to the future or um, die hard, any of those films, but those movies, they were hopes and prayers, but now men in black, the regurgitation of men in black is a good example of that, where they were trying to be overly cautious on how that was created to the point where they basically killed all the creativity and they tried to they found people to play characters and they put them in rather than they found characters or rather they had characters where they wanted to go through a number of individuals to make sure that person fit that character.
0: Casting they're, they're always just going to go with a recognizable name.
1: Right. It's... Back to the Future though they removed the original Marty McFly for Michael J. Fox though because they knew that I think, oh man, I can't remember his name, but he yeah, was... A, there's a
0: reason for that.
1: Well, he was a big name in the 80s, and he's had kind of a resurgence later on in his career. Eric Stoller, I think, is his name. But they had... Um, he was he was the, the second choice behind Michael J. Fox, who couldn't get out of his contract. Uh, Eric with Stoltz. It. Eric Stoltz, that's who it was. They chose Eric Stoltz because of it. Because Michael J. Fox had a commitment and they were going through the production of, and filming of the movie and it was just not clicking like jokes were not hitting. He was taking it way too seriously. And they said, we need to make a change. We need to do it now. And fortunately for them. Michael J. Fox was now available to shoot the movie and they were able to install him and just reshoot a lot of the scenes with him in there. So I think studios are finding people who are hot names and saying, let's see if we can plug them into this movie rather than like actually conducting like a good audition and making sure that these individuals are actually fitting the roles that they're supposed to be playing. They pre-design a script for that person or a character for
0: that actor or actress.
1: Well, they all have contracts with movie studios now. So, like Anthony Gatto, you're going to be—you um, have a four movie deal with Paramount. Congrats! You're going to be in four Paramount movies, or you're going to be in four Netflix can, movies. Can or, I? Can I pick the, the character? No. If anything, you're going to be regulated to a Hallmark channel. So
2: I agree in that. I think reboot culture has gotten out of out of hand. If you've seen, there's a trailer for a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Another thing I
1: hate by the way. Spoiler alert, people are still getting killed in that, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, another thing I hate is bringing characters back because I think they're bringing the actress from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre into this movie.
1: Whom we don't know.
2: And she's like, I've been been waiting for this moment 50 years to get Leatherface and it's like, I don't want to see this. Like, this is ridiculous. But (laughs) But I, what I will say, though, is the way I disagree is I still think they're, they're – I, I think we've actually seen an influx of – because of because of how successful these movies are, I think we've been seeing an influx of um, really cool independent studios like A24 that has come out. You're seeing directors like Ari Aster, like Robert Eggers who have come out who have really done a nice job at kind of making these like more indie, fi- indie flicks. So – I think this is probably the best time for movies there's ever been. Mm-hmm. We're seeing we're seeing younger voices that are getting more chances now. Um especially because of the social media. Yeah, you get the occasional like TikTok star who gets a Netflix deal and it's like, yeah, that's kinda sucks because like you know that they can't act, they're just being in these movies because they're popular online. But I, I still think that like we're seeing more talent being being cultivated now than I think we have in in a long time i mean i don't know if the facts or figures match this but
0: i can only imagine that more more content is being created today in this day and age than you know previous years in in the past because the price of quality recording equipment has gone down i mean they're shooting movies with cell phones now so there's opportunity to do a lot of low budget stuff on the cheap and you don't have to be beholden to one of the major production houses. Um, and uh, it's not shabby to, to get picked up by Netflix. Cause you made a one-off movie about something that's no, that awesome. used to be like a, an
1: industry faux pas when Netflix came out and started and Amazon prime and they started to produce a lot of these films. Like, and you could tell back in the day too, they, they were not of the highest production quality, but I think, Netflix has been able to step up their game and challenge a lot of other like streaming platforms to to create these big budget blockbuster films but do it in a way that is more convenient than going to the movie theater and dropping a fucking car payment on a like a diet coke. By the way, TV in general
2: used to be one of those like if you're Nothing doing TV grounds. you're yeah, you're
1: less than if
2: you're doing TV and you've seen you know premium networks that have really kind of upped the game like I mean, you look at like True Detective shows like that, like mm-hmm. that really have like, I, I mean, I, it's better than a lot of the movies I've seen in the last twenty years. Dude, and uh, it, it's a long format because you can actually expand on the story rather than having to fit everything in in two hours. I, feel I would like say though, the most I bang out
1: of characters that way too. HBO and Showtime are more the exception than the rule to that though, because they were doing that much much earlier than the other streaming platforms were in in being able to get big name actors and actresses to and directors and filmmakers to participate in not necessarily made for TV movies, but made for cable films. And everyone wanted to take that, but they just didn't know how, because both of those networks were really able to corner the market early because no one believed in them. So they were able to buy up as much as they could,
0: even though we've talked about the the, the bummer of rebooting. Um, Probably one of the most rebooted uh, series Batman is they're they're doing another one. Um, this is gonna be with. What's it looks name? fucking
2: awesome, by the way. Patterson, Robert Patterson. Robert Patterson. Um, yeah,
0: I'm excited because it's it's actually one of the first takes on a detective Batman, I think, in a while, right or ever as a movie from a movie. I can't think yeah, of a detective it's, Batman. It's, it's
2: approaching Batman from obviously when he's when he's quite young, which means he's gonna he's gonna be more flawed, uh, more angry. And it's going to be more of, it's, it's going to, it's going to, you know, Batman in the comics is world's greatest detective and in, in the movies he's been too often, like, I'm just going to punch you in the face and that's it to where this seems like it's going to be more about unraveling a mystery. So it's going to be more of a mystery movie in a Batman flick. So that was, will,
0: they did that with Daniel Craig and James Bond, right? They made a little bit more of a flawed James Bond and Everyone loved it. Daniel Craig as James Bond was my favorite James Bond at this point.
2: But you know? By the way, No Time to Die was fucking awesome. The most recent one was fucking awesome. It's his last one. But I'm also deeply... I'm also really encouraged because... Um, the director of this new Batman movie is Matt Reeves, who is a legit fucking director. I mean, he did the Planet of the Apes movies recently. He did uh, Cloverfield, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, he's he's a legit director.
0: I'm interested. The villain is uh, the Riddler, too, right? Played yeah, by Paul, Paul,
1: Dano Paul Dano plays Dano. the Riddler. Yeah, yeah that's yep. nice. I like Colin that. Farrell's in it too as the as Penguin. Penguin.
2: Yep. Oh, that's interesting.
1: <laughs> I mean. And I don't mean to double talk on what I said earlier, but I feel like Batman just sits a little bit differently. Cause it's such a darker conversation. It's such a darker narrative around Batman that there's levels to be explored with Batman and the characters where I feel like Marvel films are much more cartoony, but mm-hmm. there's something relatable about the Batman universe in the sense that the the villains in it feel more authentic. Like they feel more dangerous. Like, yes, Thanos could destroy the universe with a snap of his fingers, but it also, there's a level of unbelievableness with that as well, versus like a sociopath, like the Riddler or a sociopath, like the Joker, are much more, clo- they hit closer to home because we've seen individuals within society who have taken on personas like that, like John Wayne Gacy was the clown killer. Like, we, we that shit lives. Or the alphabet killer or the Zodiac killer who use riddles and puzzles to try to throw people off the scent. Does that make me a hypocrite for saying that? Maybe but i, feel uh, I like mean that one hits batman batman in general batman kind of plays a little
0: bit closer to the to like it's a little bit more of a reflective mirror on society the bad guys mm-hmm. they all kind of had you know um poison ivy was like backlash of environmental issues you look at penguin he was the corruption of government so joker was just literally like a downfall of society you know so these were These were personifications of bigger issues. Speaking of downfalls of society, uh, who would like to go first with their asshole of the week?
1: I would like to go first. I have grievances to air. Air So my asshole of the week is going to be former San Francisco 49ers, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers, former Cleveland Browns, current former... I think Oakland Raiders quarterback in Jeff Garcia in the comments that he made about NFL, NFL journalist and commentator Mina Kimes in that he had like a mini meltdown or big time social media meltdown because she pushed him on the quality of quarterback that Jimmy Garoppolo is. And he went on this long social media tirade about how Mina Kimes had never played football and she doesn't understand the game and she can't possibly critique professional athletes because she's never played that. Keep in mind, there is a room full of fucking journalists who have never picked up a football once but have been given the credence to talk about it all the time. And he ended up looking like a huge dick. He ended up looking like a soft ass motherfucker who (laughs) let T.O. walk all over him. And then, as soon as somebody has a legitimate gripe against Jimmy Garoppolo as the fucking turnover machine that he is, and a guy who is a okay quarterback, but is not by far a great quarterback, he goes in cries on the internet, and then tries to back it up with an interview that he ends up... I believe he hung up on the people that were giving the interview. It was a radio show. Jeff Garcia, my asshole of the week. Just a huge piece of shit. Mina Kimes is the boss. Her dog's pretty cool, too.
2: Lenny. Yeah, yeah. you know what's funny is that... By the way, Jeff Garcia had locked his Instagram account uh, the other day because I'm guessing... A lot of people were giving him shit. What, is he fucking Jimmy Garoppolo's agent or some shit? Like, what is he? Like, what is, like, other than being a one-time 49er, is that, like, is he just, like, beholden to defend him on every single thing? A 49er Proud Boy. Well, sp- and also, by the way, uh, Bill Walsh, uh, the one of the greatest coaches of all time, 49ers coach. Bill Belichick, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Uh, None of them played football as well. They weren't players. Mike Holmgren
1: was a fucking high school teacher.
2: Yeah, Uh, you're going to tell Bill
1: Belichick that he doesn't
2: know anything about fucking football because he never played. Like, I mean, some of the some of the best coaches in the league are guys who sucked at football. We talked about I talked about Ken Dorsey uh, to you guys earlier. Uh, Ken Dorsey, who was supposed to come with come over to the Giants with Brian Dable. He's staying in Buffalo to coach Josh Allen. Probably smart move on his end. Uh, Was one of the greatest college college quarterbacks ever. He went to the pros. He sucked Um, Garrett. And he's one of the greatest – well, yeah, Garrett was a third-string quarterback. Some of the greatest, like, terrible, terrible players that never played a down of football in the NFL. By the way, Chicago Bears hired uh, Ryan Poles, uh, former BC offensive lineman, to be their GM. He was a guy that, like, had a cup of coffee in the NFL and then realized he wasn't going to make it, so he became a scout. You don't have to be a, like, NFL player to know know the game. Um. So it is, and yeah. By the way, Mina Kimes, like Mina Kimes, is one of the best things ESPN has going for her right now. Uh, she's she's very funny and incredibly incredibly smart. So uh, I I find it funny that he was so triggered by her statements on G- Jimmy G.
0: She's got more football smarts in her pinky toe than I have in my entire body. You know what I mean? Like so much, so much knowledge, so much depth there.
1: Yeah. And I I feel like, too, she is somebody who strays away from the classic hot take industrial complex in which is what ESPN has kind of turned into, where she actually is able to provide some really thought provoking commentary on the NFL and some of the current trends that are happening. And I think for Jeff Garcia to come out and say a lot of the shit that he did is it plays into the trope that the NFL is just this brain dead entity that is not willing to let anybody outside of the circle in. And we've talked about it earlier with the coaching hirings and things like that. And now the, the things that women have to put up with as reporters in the NFL is, is embarrassing. I mean, Cam Newton said some shit about a female reporter a couple of years ago where he was surprised that she was talking about routes. It's like, dude, that's her job. Mm-hmm. maybe you should fucking do that too.
2: You know what's really funny though is like the fact that he locked his account and the absolute like overswell of like support not only from ESPN people but like former players like who are independent uh coming to coming to her defense just goes to show that like I think I think there is an I think there is a over overhaul of opinion on on the subject. So I think Change you people government. are. Yeah, I think I think well, I, I think I think it's already here to a certain extent that like something like the over the overwhelming negative response that he got, and I think he was surprised by how negative it was, and I think he expected more people to be like on his side about it. So maybe may get some people to think twice before you know coming at her. I mean, what side?
1: <laughs> it's just a fucking. He, it's it's he, a sign, not a side I mean, that anybody supports, so. though. His oh. account is now private.
2: Yeah, yeah, he locked his account. Yeah. I
1: There's can't he, wait to get a like pay for a cameo from him that's just like, hey, TO talked a world of shit about me and I didn't say anything, but God forbid someone says something bad about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like <laughs> I just imagine it's that meme online where Jeff Garcia is just collecting all the arrows in his back for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's not paying attention, <laughs> who's made like 10 times more money than Jeff Garcia has and been a worse quarterback.
2: Crazy. Well, I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. Uh, I'm picking Whoopi Goldberg. Um, she She's falling into the recent trap of people who decide to compare things to the Holocaust, which you should never do. Yikes. For anybody listening, please just never, unless you are going to have a nuanced opinion um, that addresses the absolute horrors of what that was – please stop comparing things to it. She basically tried to say on the view that the Holocaust was not about race. It was about power. Oh, yikes. And yeah, so she challenged the assertion that basically that like it had nothing to do with that, despite the fact that it was clearly targeting, uh, Jewish people, um, as well as, um, Gays and dark and, and uh, people of color. Um, so I, I just I find it hilarious that like people still have this opinion. We've been seeing people like Marjorie Taylor Green who has compared wearing a mask to the Holocaust. Um, so this is not just for Whoopi Goldberg. It's a general assertion that people need to stop using the Holocaust as a means of comparing things that are not even close to those things. If you have to compare something to
0: the Holocaust, whatever your argument is, you have already lost it. Yep.
1: I feel like we have that, like, sign in the factory says the number of days we've gone without an accident. <laughs> except <laughs> it's the number of days we've had a bad, like, reference to the Holocaust. And we've had to fucking flip the thing back to is, zero. Is this and this just just got ref- to, like, one day.
0: Yep. Is this just a reflection on, like, the education system? I don't get... What's going on
2: here? Peep, no, it's people <laughs> trying to be—it's people trying to be inflammatory, and they're trying—they're basically trying to like make a strong statement of like using a one of the biggest calamities of the of human nature I've ever human seen rights violations of all right—and basically trying to show show that like this is just as serious, and then not realizing that they're saying something absolutely like insane. Um, she's apologized, and that's fine. Uh, but so did Marjorie Taylor Greene, and then basically a couple days later said the same shit. Tired of the apologies, just stop doing it. It's ridiculous.
1: Stop making references to the Holocaust.
2: Yeah, unless you you're referencing the
1: Holocaust. Now.
2: Yeah, specifically <laughs> talking about <laughs> unless the unless you were specifically talking about it, stop comparing. No, you know what? Don't stop talking about it because I think I think having I think education about it is good. Stop comparing things. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, if, if that's you're the going the to compare
1: here. you not being able to get like a loaf of bread at Walmart to a mass genocide. Yeah. Those two things are not the fucking same thing.
0: Complaining about the price of gas at the pump and saying it's Nazi Germany. Gotta that's all your I'd asshole say. of the week. See it's funny that you bring up the Holocaust um
1: because please don't make a reference to it.
2: Gotta <laughs> <laughs> gotta got be very careful with what you're about to say. I'm, I'm
0: trying to toe this line real good right here. Joe Rogan, this
2: keep it keep it nice and straight.
0: I'm actually going to go and make my asshole of the week Germany. Um, yeah, uh, a couple days back, the German government decided they were going to refuse to send uh, weapons uh, to Ukraine in the face of a possible Russian invasion. And instead, they thought it would be a good idea to send helmets. So 5,000 helmets. It, it was considered a joke by, like, the mayor in uh, Kiev. And... Uh, To me, it's like almost like Germany might as well be sending little white flags because it's such a weak thing. And the other thing that really bothered me about it was they would not clear Estonia to send over um, their old German howitzers. And it's just such a weak position for Germany to take on the situation. And it's something that from day to day, the whole Russian invasion of Ukraine escalates and then de escalates. You know, some days are better than others. Germany has proven to be kind of tainted in this situation, in that they are very reliant on the oil provided by Russia. They're just looking even worse for it. You know, there's—I I don't understand their end game really. I just see it's—it's it's a weak position to take.
1: May I note, Kiev's mayor is former boxer and heavyweight title holder Vitaly Klitschko. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bad move for them, and I know that. You referenced that Germany has an oil supply that comes from Russia. However, I'm wondering—I'm speculating too—if because we we referenced um, partially World War II earlier, I'm wondering if they are concerned that any kind of retaliation against Russia in the form of sending weapons will only fuel a proverbial fire more with the former Soviet Union because of their history in both the First and Second World War. In both wars, the Eastern Front was probably the most chaotic of all of the fronts and ultimately the most costly. Like, you look at the conflict on the Western Front in World War II, it was cordial compared to the Eastern Front, where ultimately, like, Russians and Germans hated each other. And I'm wondering if this is their way of trying to diffuse a situation where they're trying to show support for Ukraine while at the same time, not trying to provoke Russia into creating more controversy and saying, this is Germany trying to get back at us again. I, then I say, why even send the helmets? I would agree. Seems helmets seems like a real like fucking a stupid signal. idea to me.
0: It was, yeah, it's, it's, it borders on just like, oh, prepare yourself for mortar shells to be blasted over your head and have nothing to defend yourself with. You're, you're saying you're probably going to get invaded here. Stop head trauma or something, you know?
1: Yeah. Here, have this pop tart.
0: Yeah. It just, Russians and Ukrainians have a very bad past. It's really rough around the edges. Um,
1: even, even beyond the end of the Cold War as well.
0: Yes. No, this We're talking hundreds of years of this shit. And that's why it's like there's Russian interests in getting a
1: pipeline through the area. I mean, this has been a flashpoint ever since the Cold War started. Um, Eastern Europe was always going to be the place where a major conflict began. And that's why there was such a buildup on both sides. And I mean, ultimately, like Russia wants that part of the world because of the oil refineries and the raw materials that are there agricultural but, at, but at the same time like this is was even an issue when russia and the soviet union was at maximum strength like their army can be very depleted very quickly so they are trying to seize as much as they can and ultimately it's edge theory where you're going to push people as far as you can get away with before something happens
0: yeah i mean they you know russia considers ukraine to be a protective bump buffer zone for themselves Mm-hmm. Right. And so anybody encroaching on that border or, or militarizing Ukraine is considered a threat to them. But to that, do they really think that anybody wants to get into this fight with them? Do they really think that? No, I think that this is just a response to aggressive moves by the Russian government on an area that historically they have done a lot of shit to. And that's the only thing. Like, no one's like, oh yeah, let me go there and and be a menace to fucking Russia. Yeah, we have a bit of a fucking love-hate with them right now because of what happened with, you know, the the past election and them
1: attempting to tamper. The annexing of Crimea, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, that was the thing. It was like, no one, everyone just kind of stood there with their fucking sitting on their hands. Big old
1: ass hands.
0: You know, they were, uh, as that happened, you know, the rest of The rest of the world was sitting on their hands and they were like, oh, don't do that. Shame on you. And it was a little too little too late. So, yeah, Germany, you're kind of being an asshole. I expect more from
1: you. Well, we're going to switch gears um, away from asshole of the week and we are going to go to picks of the week. So, Gato, I'm going to do this snake draft and go right back to you. Let us know what your picks of the week are.
0: My pick
2: of the week
1: um, is a book by Chuck Um,
2: Palahniuk? author of Fight Club.
0: Yes, the author of Fight Club, um, The Invention of Sound. And um, from what I gather so far, it is a man who was devastated uh, by the loss or abduction of a child. And there is a woman who's one of the world's best Foley artists that are set on a collision course. Where that goes and where Chuck takes us... I'm gonna find out, and I can't wait to.
1: Wonderful, Q. What do you got?
2: Uh, Ozark, uh, season four, part one, came up on Netflix uh, the other day. Uh, Ozark is one of those weird shows. I I tuned in originally because I'm a I'm a big Jason Bateman fan, and I, I was actually not that fond of it early. Um, season one, I I found to be incredibly slow. Uh, it's one of those shows that has gotten really good consistently uh, from year to year. And I got to say, season four, part one, arguably the best uh, it's ever been. Um, and apparently I just found out that season four, part two, doesn't come out till May. So I am pretty pissed right now.
1: As one should. Uh, my pick of the week is going to actually be a YouTube channel. And the name of the channel is Knowing Better. And the reason why I've chosen this as my pick of the week is because the individual that runs the channel is a former social studies teacher and a former veteran who provides long form or long-form YouTube episodes about various things ranging from what is American capitalism, aka libertarianism, to the Armenian genocide. And he does a really good job of explaining in depth a lot of topics in a way that makes it palatable and relatable to everybody. I found myself the other day after work just watching hours and hours of these, and they're really interesting. I would encourage everyone to go to his YouTube channel. It's called Knowing Better. It's funny. It's uh, a little campy, but ultimately it's well-sourced and you'll walk away knowing more about a particular topic or you will know better about a particular topic. So follow that. Um, that's my pick of the week. Guys, we are about to wrap Alrighty, folks. Well, that'll do it for us this week. Um, do us a favor and follow us on all of our Instagram, all of our social media accounts. Um, this show would not be possible without listeners like you. So give us a five-star rating and a review on all your favorite streaming platforms and share the episode with your friends. We do have a playoff reaction show um, that should be right before this one in the queue. Lastly, follow the, social, follow the Second Mouse Podcast and all your favorite social media accounts. Just search Second Mouse Podcast and give us a like and a follow. We normally share some pretty funny content, so why not follow a page that's going to give you a laugh as you're sitting through another Zoom meeting at work or waiting in traffic. Once again, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you all next week.